Okay, Tzoraim Tov, we continue with our second class in the Sefer Da'as Hasfiros. We began the introduction and we're giving three benefits of why we should be learning Chachmas HaEmes, this true wisdom that is um, otherwise known as Kabbalah. And we were giving reasons that Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato, the Ramchal, gave from his Sefer the, in the Mamar HaVikuach, the essay on the discussion. And the first reason is because the only way we can really know Hashem and bring it into our heart is by learning this Chochmah HaEmes, which describes Hashem in is the way he interacts with us in great detail. You cannot know Hashem if you don't learn this wisdom. And just say there's a consequence. When people say God, 99.99 people in the world do not know what that means. So if you don't know what God is to the best of our understanding, then how can you even say to know that there's a God who's the only source of existence? And that really shapes your whole wealth in Shang of existence, of what reality is. What is reality? If, if there is no God in the picture, it's a distorted reality. If there's a distorted reality of God, it's also a distorted reality. So you have to have a clear, accurate understanding to the best of humans' abilities to understand what God does, why he does these things to a certain degree, and then you'll be able to know that that's the reality. So that was what we said yesterday. We're going to move on to the next two reasons that Utsado gives in his Sefer. And, and don't forget, this is also one of the 613 mitzvahs. God says it's a positive commandment, to know God and to bring it into your heart. But then he says, forget about the fact, even if we weren't commanded to do it, but we have to deal with the Yetzir Hara every day. And the Yetzir Hara, to be able to successfully subjugate the Yetzir Hara, we have to learn this wisdom. Because what is one of the main um, uh, arguments or tools of the Yetzir Hara is to, uh, is to say that the world has no rhyme or reason. Okay. And uh, and therefore, our response to the Yetzirah is, there is a rhyme or reason. If you believe there's no God and everything's an accident, there's no rhyme or reason. So do whatever you want. Take advantage while you can. There's no purpose anyway. Okay? And that's what Lutzado writes. He says, appears to human eyes like this. And these are not true realities. The human eye thinks the more effort you make in business, the wealthier you can become. Whoever has the honor, the money, is the one who should deserve honor. Okay? And uh, we, and we see thousands and thousands of people who are uh, uh, um, servants riding on horses after the great uh, leaders. In other words, those who follow the great people, let's say the Romans at their peak, they were thoroughly wicked people, but very strong, very wealthy, very rich. And anybody who followed the Romans did very well. What about the people who are studying Torah? What about the Torah scholars during that period of the Roman era? They were, they were on the wanted list. They were chased etc etc so the uh, the Jews are despised and they're uh, terrorized 
And the nations of the world are sitting in calm and in peace. And we've been suffering through this gullus. And no one can understand why, what's going on over here. And, and no one's trying to do tshuva. And the Torah will be forgotten from us. So that's what the Yetzirah says. Why are you wasting your time on this? Look, look where the Jews are. And look where the rest of the world is. Especially nowadays. It's, it's an all new pressure that's coming on. Um, you, you should know recently in Calgary... There was uh, in the street, you know, they're doing a drag, whatever, drag presentation. And so this son of a Catholic preacher, the one who's been thrown in jail many times in Calgary, who came from Russia or whatever, I don't remember where. Um, anyway, so he gets up, he, he protests, and all he's doing is he's reading from the Bible. I mean, if you guys are reading from the Bible, and they're writing what uh, <laughs> what the Bible has to say about these things, he's not taunting anybody. He, he's off to the side, and he's just reading the Bible that this is terrible things. You're going to go to hell, and all these things. And then there's a counter protest to him from these drag people. Okay, you follow what's happening here? The police come, and they're giving him a ticket. For the excuse, uh, you're not allowed to be within a hundred meters of this event. She says, why not? You're not allowed to protest within a hundred meters. So I'm not protesting. I'm reading the Bible. How is that a protest? I said, well, we'll have to give you a ticket and you'll have to be summoned to court. He says, wait a minute. What about those other people that are protesting us? Are they allowed to protest? Right? So they, they didn't want to answer, so to speak. Are you going to give them a ticket like you gave me a ticket? So you can see it on video. It's all there. He says, he says, listen, uh, so they say, like, we'll have to see. What do you mean you'll have to see? You're giving me a ticket now. Why can't you give them a ticket at the same time? We're both, according to you, unlawfully protesting. You're saying I'm protesting the drag thing, and they're protesting me. And, you, and we're both within 100 meters or whatever of the event. So, well, I have my orders from the mayor. So, ah, just like the Nazis, you have your orders. Okay, so I'm just saying, if you don't have any idea of Chachmas HaEmes, you're going to get swallowed up by all this. And you're going to say, well, maybe they're right. You know, after all, they're being very successful. <laughs> so you got to really understand but the truth is, as the Navi says, the tzaddik, the tzaddik lives by his faith. That if you have clear understanding that everything's from Hashem, even though you don't understand it, you already are considered a tzaddik. Okay? But uh, do you have any other wisdom that can explain things properly, that everything's from Hashem and why these things may be? No. And therefore, we have to understand. So the more you understand of God's ways, even though we can't have a specific answer to a specific situation, but you have better understanding of why evil, how it fits into Hashem's overall plan. Just like we said, well, can you tell me exactly why this person died? No, I can't tell you exactly why this person died. But I can understand, I can tell you that it's not random. 
the famous ad, uh, marshal to that, if you have an expert astrophysicist, expert, and you have a leaf on a tree, and you ask the astrophysicist, if the wind blows the leaf off the tree, where will it land? Can the astrophysicist tell you where it'll land? No. But what can he do? He can tell you twelve the 12 factors that will determine where it should land. The wind, the weight, the velocity. He can tell you every factor. Only thing he doesn't know is what are the factors. But he knows what's going to cause the leaf to fall in the precise place it's going to fall. So the same thing, when we learn about God, we know all the factors that God can employ. We just don't know which factor God may employ in a certain situation. And therefore, once you know that, you won't fall to the prey of the eight Sahara. So you'll be able to fulfill all your other mitzvahs. The whole point is to say, don't for what does it matter if you bench? What does it matter if you say a bracha? Who cares? But if you have to, but if you're armed with the true knowledge of what reality is, then you have answers. That uh, or you don't have to answer the question of the Yetzirah because it's just a random question with no with no purpose. Okay, so that's the second point that will help us ward off the Yetzirah. The third reason is this: this wisdom will help us understand to the best of our ability why we do certain mitzvahs. Okay, even though obviously the real reasons that Hashem has, as Hashem is infinite, the reasons for why we do certain things are infinite reasons. But the truth of the matter is, it's very hard for a person to do something. He doesn't feel something about this. As we said many times, there's many books written on what we call the Ta'ameha Mitzvahs, the reasons for mitzvahs. The Sefer HaChinuch gives us the reasons for mitzvahs. Why God gave this mitzvah, why God gave that mitzvah. And he says in advance, I'm not going to tell you this is the reason, but it's a reason that makes it easier to understand why it makes you more comfortable and enjoyable to do it. And again, the obvious analogy is as follows. Okay, why, why should you really eat a steak? Really should you eat a steak? For the protein, Right? That's the real benefit of the steak. Why should you eat an orange? For the vitamin C. Why should you, I don't know about drinking milk for vitamin D, because it's not really the milk, but anyway. So, but why do you eat these foods? The primary reason is the vitamins. Okay, now, is it possible that you could have these vitamins and the food not have any taste? Yes. When God created the orange, it could have been an orange uh, piece of paper. He could have put vitamins in that. So why did God? Why did God put taste in them? You know why? So you'll want to eat it. If everything we ate had no taste, and Nebuch, there are people Nebuch, um, who, who have certain sicknesses or get injuries to their nose or throat, and they can't taste anything. It's it's hard for them to really want to eat if you can't even taste anything. COVID was an example of that. So, therefore, God in his kindness, he gave taste to food. So we'd A, enjoy the food, B, want to eat the food, and guess what? We'll also get the vitamins. And that's called in Hebrew a tam, a taste. Tam also means a reason. So the rabbis gave us the reasons for the mitzvahs, so we'll be able to taste the mitzvahs, 
and they taste better and therefore we're, our hearts are more drawn to things that we can understand now of course when you say well that was a great steak but you know the real reason you're eating it is because of the vitamins but guess what it tastes good too it motivates me is it the best reason it's not the best but no, the more you understand you appreciate what you're getting with so if you say this mitzvah will make me a kinder person well, i think that's an important thing to be a kinder person this mitzvah will teach me self-control this everything's there to teach us something so if i understand the value of that if i understand what's the value of praying to god and all these things then i'm motivated to do it it's just normal natural human behavior shouldn't you do it anyway of course but we're humans. So that makes our avodas Hashem more pleasurable. So these are the three main reasons Lutzado gives. Number one, to be able to fill the mitzvah of really knowing Hashem and living in that reality. Number two, we're able to push away the Yitzhahara's um, attempts of tricking us into not wanting to f- believe there's rhyme or reason in the world and therefore not do mitzvahs. And number three, to enjoy the mitzvahs that we do. And, and let me just say one more point then I'll take your question so according to these three explanations we understand why this wisdom is called Chachmas HaEmes the true wisdom why? because the essence of this wisdom is to reveal the ways of Hashem's conduct in a way that we should have clarity in that and to understand that the inner uh, and to understand the inner workings of God's running of the world and that reveals the secrets of the world and it reveals the truth to creation of creation what we're looking at the rabbis call the world without any handbook is called the world of lies that's what it's called if you want to describe this world Alma de Shikra the world of lies it's all lies without any handbook Everyone will attribute other variables to what they are observing in life. But when you study the, this, this uh, now you're going to see the true world. Now the question is, you want to live in the world of lies? Well, don't study any of this. Just follow whatever the social uh, medias and everything tells you. And you'll believe everything. Uh, you think that's all the way it is and then you'll live your life based on those lies or you can live the life based on those truths so you want to live a true life or not a true life that's what it's called yeah when the first area is not important first point is not important you know God why do you need other two points each one of course but he's giving more reasons he's saying even if it wasn't a mitzvah but it'll help you with other mitzvahs we're just saying all three, each, any one alone is a good enough reason. But he's giving you three reasons. What's wrong with three reasons? The fact is, okay, now I'll understand God. But I understand God, but it's hard for me to enjoy doing these messages. You know, to do things just because God says so, you have to have a certain nature. And not everybody can be that obedient without feeling some pleasure out of doing it. Now, you could go on a higher level. The greatest pleasure is to serve God. Yeah, but... Everybody, it doesn't hurt to have a little whiff of uh, what's in it for me. Because that's just a natural tendency. And to feel, oh, now I understand why I'm doing this. So it's, it's good for me. And I thank Hashem that he's doing things that are making me into a better person. Those are three things. 
Now, this wisdom, by and large, was very hidden from the Jewish people for thousands of years, and it was only given over to the elite of the elite. And it went, this was all taught to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu gave it over to very few people until the times of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, which was even then his own uh, about 1,700 years ago, 1,800 years ago. Then Rav Shimon Bar Yochai wrote all this in the Zohar, and he revealed it only to a special group of scholars. And then that kind of went that way until the 1,200s where people really uncovered a written copy of the Zohar, which in itself was still unintelligible to people who didn't understand it. So it took later and later years. And then we come to uh, the later generations, so to speak, where now it was permitted to be revealed. And the great Kabbalistic works of the Arizal and others say that from the year 1840, that's the year when the great intellectual explosion happened, 1840. And uh, then at that point, it's permitted for us to study this because Hashem feels that now our generation, which is coming closer to Mashiach, we are being, there, there will be the greatest challenges. Before Mashiach comes, has to be the greatest challenge against God because Mashiach means in spite of every power in the world, God is stronger. So that means that evil has to be tremendously powerful. So if the evil is tremendously power, how are we going to survive this? The old methods are not going to work. And therefore, permission was given, so to speak, to uh, elaborate on this and enhance this, uh, to, uh, that we have this ammunition, so to speak, to be able to appreciate what the battle's about. And that gives us the strength to be able to, and everyone according to their level. Out of it, it's very deep. But even the... The, the, the least deep can help a person understand what his avod is. Because at the end of the day, those who are going to survive the messianic era are those who really believe in Hashem. It's going to boil down to that. And there'll be so much, quote-unquote, scientific proof that there is no God and all this thing is crazy. And you see how this is happening very, very quickly. And not only that, but they're controlling the narrative, they're controlling the media, and you're being bombarded with this. How are you going to survive this? So you have to survive it with this chachma, with this wisdom that's coming to the world. And that's why it's so important at this time to be able to do this. And Ramchal concludes and he says, the Jewish soul that's not exposed to this suffers greatly because the Jewish soul wants the light of Hashem. But he doesn't understand this. He doesn't really appreciate the light. So that is the end of the first introduction of the students as to why they are writing the book. Which leaves us, finally, to what we call now the psicha, the opening, which is another word for not an introduction, but an opening to the understanding of everything. And again, reviewing the goals of the Sefer. And now we finally get to the book where there's pagination. Everything says no pages. Now we're getting to pagination, page tesvav, to know what is the goal of the Sefer, which we've already discussed three of the goals over there. But we're going to discuss a statement from the rabbis that says that 
this is not such an easy activity because this is called a great service. The measure says like this, they say, great is the power of the prophets that they are able to compare the one who was created to his creator. And the Talmud is meaning to say that this whole idea that we're talking about, for human being to understand that there's a God and that God has put in ourselves um, similar qualities, but on a lower level, and that we're meant to emulate God and be a godly person and bring godliness into the world, this is something that the prophets were able to do. It was a big effort. The regular people, not so easy. I mean, they really lived it. We're talking about the prophet is totally connected to God. They, they bond with God. And we, we, that's otherworldly experiences that we don't have anymore. But that, that took a lot of work, really, to be a prophet. You went to prophecy schools. There were schools of prophecy. And you had to be, to a certain degree, an ascetic. And you had to dedicate your life to God. And to be able to reach those levels was not an easy thing. It's a very difficult thing. Nowadays, we're not trying to be prophets, but we're trying to at least incorporate a certain amount of that into our lives. And therefore, he says, so what becomes the first key? There's going to be a lot of keys, but the first key, as Rav Moshe Cordovero says, and the Shaloha Kodesh says, the key in making ourselves be the person we're supposed to be is through the ten spheros. Those 10 characteristics, because that's the root of God's conduct in all the worlds. And, and many of the authors that we mentioned, they talk about this idea that we are in the image of God. And therefore, we must inculcate within ourselves and be aware of exactly what divine power do I have. A Jewish soul is not a non-Jewish soul. A Jewish soul is gifted with that uh, ability and has the core nucleus of the soul, God's characteristics, but on a smaller level. Uh, a good analogy would be like this. You could have a, a real Lamborghini, then you could have a great big picture of a Lamborghini. And then you could have a, a Lamborghini scale one to 100, the Lamborghini, exactly like the big Lamborghini is made. Exactly, with everything, everything, but a scale of 1 to 100, so it's maybe this big. Now, this little Lamborghini, for a midget, not even for a midget, for a grasshopper, would ride as good as a big Lamborghini. But it's small. The picture looks like a nice Lamborghini, but it can't do anything. So our outward activities like the picture. But what's going on inside is the little Lamborghini. So that's how we're like a little God. All these qualities from God are inside of us. And it all comes from the 10 spheros. And that becomes cr critical for this. Okay. Now, he says, a lot of people think that I don't have any connection to this kind of wisdom. I don't understand why you have to learn this at all. And... Uh, so therefore, this book is trying to reveal the practical benefits. So we got to the general benefits before. Now he's going to get a little bit more practical with day-to-day with -day examples of why this is such an important thing. And there's four ways of looking at this. So it's, it's a little different slant how the uh, 
the authors are telling us now. But there's four viewpoints in this area. What does this give us? Number one, it allows a person to recognize what the will of Hashem is from us in all its depth. You don't know what to do here. If you study this wisdom, you know exactly what to do in a particular situation. Ah, you think this, that? No, no, no. I'm not. If I look at it from God's perspective, if I already have that divine nature within myself, I can figure out what does God want me to do in every situation in life. That's practical. Number two, person will now understand what he is a composite of. He will understand who he is. You don't have to go to Freud or psychiatrists, psychologists. The Torah is the greatest Jewish psychology that's there. What, what am I made of? So Freud says the id, the ego, the superego. We don't need him. He could be right by accident, but we don't use those terms. We, by studying the, this, you're going to know exactly what right, like the 10 spheros. You know who you are. And that leads to the third point. If you know what you're made of, you're able to have self-awareness in what you do. A lot of times we do things and stop and ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? We usually don't ask ourselves that question. Why did I respond that way? Why did I yell at that person? We say, well, they pushed my buttons. That's not an answer. Why were they able to push your buttons? Why do you have buttons to begin with? Well, obviously, if someone can push your buttons, you don't have any self-awareness. So self-awareness, they talk a lot about this in the modern uh, uh, world, but they don't have any Torah basis to it. You can't be aware of your feelings if you don't know what's producing those feelings. We're going to give an example in a minute. And number four, if you're able to recognize God's conduct, and really it's all defined by love and a will for us to have pleasure, then we'll have a greater relationship with Hashem. The more you know about Hashem, the more you're going to be connected to Hashem. So those are what we'll call four more practical and specific ones. The first three were more general. These four are more, oh, I, I see the benefit. I, I'm a Jew, I want to do... I want to be a good Jew. Someone says, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, you don't know what God's going to do because you don't even understand what God wants at all. If you really study this and you want to be honest and you stop and think, you really can find out what God wants you to do. And if you can't, it's because you don't know this enough. So you have to go to a person who does know this who can help you with that. You also, it's important to know what, what, what makes me tick. And to be aware of when I do something, what made that happen? And I'm going to feel closer to Hashem. So let's uh, start. So there's three examples he's going to give. He's going to give first on the five levels of soul. It becomes another important aspect. He's then going to use this in a particular situation that could happen in your life to analyze your behavior. He's going to use this when we do mitzvahs. He's going to use this when we keep Shabbos. You're going to see there's layers to our behavior that we need to be aware of. So he begins and says that whatever a person does, he does it with his whole being. And we know every part of his soul is engaged 
or can be engaged in this, whether you're aware of it or not. And of course, the famous five levels of soul. So for some, this is repetitive, some this is new, but we just always start again and work together. It's five levels of soul, which are quickly called, you don't have to memorize all this, we'll say it so many times, you'll get it sooner or later. From bottom to top, nefesh, don't look for English terms, it's not worth wasting your time on. Nefesh, ruach, neshama, chaya, yechida. Terrible translation is soul, spirit, soul, <laughs> life, and unity. So go figure that out. But they uh, influence and create the actions that you do. Okay, and in the third essay, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about it. But now we're just going to give you just a very brief taste of the five without going into great detail to wet your whistle for later on. Nefesh, the lowest level, that's the seat of all the physical drives that we have. And the seat of that is in the blood. And specifically, it comes rooted in the liver because that was purified the blood. The blood that runs through us has a divine nature. And from that blood, it gives us animalistic drives. Okay, that's one aspect. And that is the basic um, life force within the person. Your blood goes through, circulates through. It's not just like an animal, so to speak, but in certain ways we're, we're similar to this. But what I'm going to do, what I do, whatever I do needs to have my body doing it. What if, what, if I do anything, my body has to move. And if my blood doesn't circulate, I don't live. Now, there's a deeper idea than this because Sam sounds like an animal. But whatever we do, because we have such a soul, has eternal implications. You do a mitzvah, it's a permanent deposit into your RSP and Shemayim. What do you mean? All I did was shake a lulav. What did I do? No, no. When your body does it, because of your body is connected to Hashem, now it has eternal consequences. So I did it and it's finished. A monkey eats a banana has no eternal consequences. So that is um, that is our basic life force. It's um, survival, whatever you want to call it. Without that, I can't even begin to live. That's basic human life. Next is ruach, spirit. That rests in the heart. That's where your midos come from, your character, your emotion, kindness, these things all come from the spirit inside of you. Your heart is beating fast, heart is beating slow. Third level, now those two are within the human being. Within, remember, we are connected to Hashem. So it's almost like God's got, a, like we're, he's the marionette and he's pulling the strings. So our strings connect right up to Hashem. So, but these two are inside of us. The third one, the neshama, it's outside of us, but it manifests within the brain. Okay? And that gives us spiritual understanding. Now, you need a brain to know two plus two is four. But you need a holy soul to know that effort has nothing to do with success. A goyish brain cannot understand that. Goy does not have a neshama. This is divine wisdom. Divine wisdom comes in our brain. And that gives us a spiritual understanding of things. Chaya, it literally means life, 
and Yechida, these are things way beyond, um, more spiritual than that third level. And it has expressions, Chaya means that I feel satisfaction. An inner satisfaction. It's like this is what life is about. I really feel that I am, uh, I'm accomplishing. That's, that, that's more than just the spirit. That's, I really feel I've, I'm, I'm doing something important. Yechida, which means unity, that's the source of all desires that you have. The ultimate source of any desire at all. Now this needs more explanation. But he wants to give a practical example for this. And unfortunately, I hate to do this. <laughs> we only have a minute and this will not do justice yeah. to this. But now you're right to hear the practical example, which will be a person comes home and the house is a mess. How do you react when you come to your house and the house is a terrible mess? There's five levels of reaction. So maybe for your homework for a moment, think about it. If you would come home now and it's mamish a mess, Maybe how some of our houses looked right after Pesach, before the cleanup, right? Or after Shabbos. You come in, how do you feel and why? This is self-awareness. So maybe we'll ask you tomorrow, how, do you, how would you feel? And now through the lens of the five levels of soul, we're going to say there's really five levels that you could be in tune to. Most of us are maybe, maybe in tune to one. That's a richness of self-understanding. Okay, we got to stop it here. Shkayach, everybody.